Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of foolish temperaments. And now, here is today's broadcast. Psalm 14 and verse 1. Let me make a little... Uh, a, a little disclaimer for next week. So we're, we're in this um, series called Profile of a Fool, and uh, next week is a message that's called Foolish Temptations. Foolish Temptations, and it's going to be a PG middle school kind of message. Okay, we're going to deal with, um, with a topic that there's a, there's a lot that's, being, that's said about it in the book of Proverbs, and even in relationship to it being foolish behavior. So there are some temptations that sneak up on us, and there are some temptations that are so obvious you have to be a fool not to see it coming. And so we're going to talk about foolish temptations next week, but the subject matter, if you've got kids that are under middle school age, I would encourage you to put them in kids' church next week. Okay? Everybody good? So Everybody, everybody okay? Y'all blanked out on me. Y'all wave. Just let me make sure everybody's okay. Yay, there you are. Psalm 14 and verse 1. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. Only fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Only fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their actions are evil. And not one of them does good. Good. Father, I pray that you would add your, your anointing, your power, your illumination and understanding to the reading, the preaching, and the hearing of your word. And I pray, God, that we be transformed today. Transformed today. God, I pray that we love you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our strength, but all of our soul as well. I pray that that, that you, we connect with you on the, on the soul level today. That our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings would be moved and stirred by your word and by your power and by your presence. And Lord, may you bring about life change in all of us today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this week is, is week three of our series called Profile of a Fool. We've established that among the things the Bible calls foolish are, are people who either ignore the existence of God or people, maybe, maybe worse, people who acknowledge God but who live as if His Word has no application in their lives. If you know the truth but you live like you don't, the Bible says you are a foolish person indeed. So we saw a couple weeks ago that foolishness often starts in our minds with foolish thoughts. Remember that verse says, the fool says in his heart, and that's the thought life. But last week we saw that foolish thoughts will soon come out of our mouths on our foolish tongues if we don't catch it while it's still in our minds. Jesus said, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks, or from, your, from the overflow of your thoughts and what's going on inside. So what we say what we're thinking we say what we're thinking. So if we don't stop the foolishness in our minds and we don't stop the foolishness on our tongues, it will eventually make its way into our habits 
and our personalities. And so today I want to talk about foolish temperaments. Foolish temperaments. Now the scripture says that fools are corrupt, their actions are evil, and they don't do good. See, what started as foolish thought became part of uh, of who they are and how they operate. They operate foolishly. Fools operate foolishly. So today we're going to look at three common traits, or what I'm calling temperaments, ways of behaving that the Bible calls foolish. And and we're going to ask God to help us get these things out of our lives because foolishness has no place in the life of a follower of Jesus. Would you agree with me? You can't be Christ-like and foolish at the same time because Jesus was nobody's fool. But when we claim the name of Jesus but live foolishly, we're bringing a reproach upon the name of Jesus. And I know nobody in this room wants to do that. So here we go. The first foolish temperament is laziness. Laziness. Now, probably not talking to lazy people if you're in church at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, but we'll, nonetheless, we'll dive right in, okay? Laziness is a foolish temperament. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 says this, For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Laziness or complacency is a characteristic of a fool. Now, did did you know that we have a double duty to work? Biblically, there's a double duty upon us to work. We were both created to work and recreated to work. We have a mandate as humans, and we have a mandate as believers to work. And I want to show it to you. First of all, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden. Why just the man? Because Eve hadn't been created yet. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden. Look, look what he's supposed to do. To chill out and watch Sports Center all day. I thought it was, I thought it was you know, paradise. He put the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. And I'll look at verse 19. He had, he had something else to, to do. The Lord formed from the ground. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Listen, Adam had a job before he had a wife. <laughs> That'll preach there, ladies. <laughs> Adam had a job before he had a wife. He, he had a job before sin entered the world. Work is not part of the curse. Work is our stewardship of the blessing. And it's a mandate of a human. And we were created to have dominion, right? We were created to rule. It takes hard work. It takes industriousness. We're created in the image of God. And God is an industrious, creative, and creating, busy God. If we're going to reflect the image of our Maker that can truly demonstrate that we are created in His image, then we're going to be hard workers. Now, we not only have a mandate as a human, but we have an additional mandate as a believer. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we're God's masterpiece. He worked hard on us. He created us anew, so He recreated us in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can chill out and watch Sports Center. 
No, so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. In many other translations, it says so we can do good works. We can do good works. We were created by God as humans, but recreated by Jesus as believers, and then given a job to do. We were given good works. We have work to do as followers of Jesus. What's the Great Commission? Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Listen, that's hard work. It's hard work. You're not going to accidentally make disciples. You're not just going to sort of unconsciously make disciples. It's hard work. It's intentional. It's dangerous sometimes. But it's the will of God for every believer. He has given every one of us work to do. Hard work is actually praise to God. Did you know that? Hard work is praise to God. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 16. In the same way, let your good deeds, your good work, shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The things that we do are actually opportunities for people to see God through us and give Him praise. And it's not only in what we do, but in how we do it. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Slaves, obey your, your earthly masters in everything you do. Now listen, we're, we're not slaves anymore, but we got a boss, don't we? We are employees. So think of it in that, in that context. Employees, obey your earthly bosses in everything you do. Try to please them, look at this, all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving, look at this, the master, you're the boss for believers is Christ. Now shouldn't that change the way we see our jobs? Shouldn't, shouldn't that change everything about what we do? Students, should that not change the way you, you view your schoolwork? Athletes, should that not change the way we view our practices and our preparation? See, a good work ethic should be a hallmark of a Christian. But I'm afraid that's not the case anymore. Sometimes, as, as a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. That's true. People put little fish on their business cards or on their signs to let other believers know that they're Christians so that it might increase their business. Can can I give you a a business tip, a little secret to increase your business? Exceed expectations. Work hard. Work like you're working for Jesus. Work hard. Work well. Do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Don't be lazy. Work hard at everything you do. That's how you increase your business. Hallelujah. Amen, John. That's good preaching this morning. Thank you very much. How many people look, how many people have been drawn to Christ by the way Tim Tebow approached football and now the way he approaches baseball? Think about that. Not just that he won, because he ain't a great baseball player. Now, y'all better not say amen to that and not the other stuff. He's not a great baseball player, but the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches his preparation, draws people to him and draws people to Christ. How many people have been drawn to Christ by by the way the Kathy family makes chicken at Chick-fil-A? 
and trains people, trains their employees. We can do that too if we won't be foolish and lazy but have a strong work ethic that reflects our faith in Jesus. Jesus said, you said, well, you know, does Jesus want us to work hard? Jesus said, be alert, be diligent, watch and pray. Don't be lazy, spiritually or physically. Paul said of lazy believers, if they're too lazy to work, they just don't eat. He said if a person is too lazy to work to take care of their family when they have the ability, but they, they just decide not to work, then they're worse than an unbeliever. That's what the Bible says. Paul told Timothy, he said, you better study to show yourself approved. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Be ready to give an account. The kingdom takes hard work. Lazy people will never advance the kingdom. The king needs some people who are willing to put in the work. Hard work is the good news. It's great news. Why is hard work great news? Because, because hard work is free. Anybody can work hard. You don't need to be the most talented. Your, your spiritual gifting, the way the Holy Spirit puts the gift in you, will take up the slack that talent leaves. You don't need to be the smartest. God's Spirit brings wisdom and knowledge and understanding. You don't need to be the strongest because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit that anything happens anyway. What God is looking for is a person who's willing to work hard at whatever they put their hands to. That's a person that, that God can bless. It was a rich, lazy fool in Jesus' parable who said, Hey, let's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we may die. Let's just kick back and take it easy. Everything's good. What Jesus wants from us is hard work and integrity of service. Any other way is foolishness. And God never blesses foolishness. You say, well, John, how do I know if I'm trending towards laziness? How do I know if I'm lazy? Well, let's look in, there's, there's a, a bunch of stuff said about it in Proverbs. First of all, you refuse to work. Proverbs 21 and 25. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin because their hands refuse to work. You ever known people, don't point, you ever known people who just refuse to work? They just won't do anything. They won't help themselves. So how else do you know you're training towards laziness? Because you sleep when you should be working. Look at Proverbs 26 and 14. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person just turns over in the bed. They're not getting up. They're going to lay there. They are not going to work. They're going to lay there and sleep when they should be working. You, how else do you know? Because when you make excuses to get out of work. Look at that. This is my, maybe my favorite proverb in the whole Bible. The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. There ain't a lion in the road. They're making an excuse so they don't have to get out and go to work. I, th th what, are, what do these excuses sound like now? It's, you know, Nobody typically calls in with a lion in the yard. People make excuses like, oh, that's not my job. Not my job. I ain't doing that. People, people say, oh, no, they don't pay me enough to do that. Oh, no, that's somebody else. Somebody else can do that. I'm not doing that excuses excuses how what else might tell you you're lazy that you waste you waste time and energy avoiding work look at this in proverbs 18 and 9 the lazy person's as bad as somebody who destroys things they they waste time and energy avoiding work that's that i didn't give them the right scripture that's uh that's not 
that didn't prove the same thing. So sorry about that. There is a proverb, I'll find it before the next service, that says you waste more time and more energy trying to stop work than you do if you just go ahead and work. Here's, here's the last one, and this is going to sting. Proverbs 26 and 16, you think you're an expert at everything, even things you've never done before. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. You ever seen somebody never done anything, but they think they know everything? Yeah, they're generally lazy. They've never done anything because they don't want to. They're lazy. They're, listen, there's too much for, to be done for our families. There's too much to be done for our communities. Too much to be done for the kingdom of God for us to be lazy. So don't be foolish. If laziness is a temptation for you, ask God to help change your perspective on the way your work brings glory to Him. Help, ask Him to help you to see that He's the boss and nobody else, and you're working for Him in everything that you do. Now, here's the next, here's the next one. We're just going to kind of hit the highlights on this one, but this is one the American church needs to hear as, as well. The second foolish temperament is, is being rebellious. Being rebellious. Proverbs 1 and 7. Solomon's not seven verses into the book of Proverbs, and he says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true, of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wisdom and instruction. You say, well, that, that doesn't say the word rebellion. Well, let me explain it this way. <clears throat> Wise people fear the Lord and listen to what he says. Foolish people hear what the Lord says. They hear what the boss says. They hear what the teacher says. They hear what the pastor says from the Word of God. They hear what the authority figure says, but then they just refuse to do it. That's rebellion. That's, that they, they do the opposite of what wisdom and instruction and knowledge is. It's rebellion. And rebellious people are foolish. Look at Psalm 37, 37 through 38. Look at those who are honest and, and, uh, and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace, but the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. Do you know why rebellious people can never get ahead? Why rebelliousness is so, is so foolish? Why they're ultimately going to be destroyed? Let me show it to you in the New Testament in James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he gives more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud but he favors the humble. See, rebellion is birthed in pride. Rebellion is birthed in pride. You think you know better than whoever's in authority, so you do it your own way. Rebellious people never win in the end because God is actively resisting. God resists the proud. And it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how powerful you are, you will never defeat God when He's resisting you. You say, but look, I would never rebel against God. I just have a problem with authority. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Everybody must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God instituted and they will be punished. All rebellion is ultimately rebellion against God. So what you have is not just a rebellious streak, 
you have a foolish streak. If your natural response to authority is to rebel, you will never advance very far in the kingdom of God because God's kingdom is a kingdom of authority. You say, well, I thought it was a kingdom of faith. Well, let me show you this. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus had finished saying, he'd been teaching, he'd finished saying that to the people. He returned to Capernaum. And at that time, a, high, a highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So you got the picture. Roman centurion, army officer, a slave is sick. He wants Jesus to come heal. This is what he says to Jesus. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be here, healed. Now, nobody's ever said that to Jesus. He said, I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I'll have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He didn't say I haven't seen authority, an understanding of authority like this. He said, I haven't seen faith like this. Jesus is the one who made the connection between authority and faith. You will never be a man of faith or a woman of faith until you learn to live under authority. Rebellion is foolishness. Now here's the last, here's the last rebellious or uh, foolish temperament. Foolish temperament and that's being angry. Being angry. Proverbs 12, I'll show you three scriptures, Proverbs 12 and 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger. That means they give full vent. They just say it all right there on the spot. They give full vent to their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, also written by Solomon, control your temper for anger, look at this, anger labels you a fool. See, nobody has ever described a person of God like this. He was the most godly, wise, angry person I've ever met. Right? You ever heard anybody describe that? He, he was just a great man of God while he was fussing everybody out. Or you, you never heard anybody say, she was so full of the word and rage and righteousness. <laughs> Just, just made you feel close to God when you were around her during one of her fits. You've never heard anybody describe like that, have you? That'd be, that's just that's ridiculous. It's foolish to think. See, anger has always been an exception. It's always the but in the sentence. He's really a great man, but he has an anger problem. Right? She's a wonderful, godly woman, but... Her temper gets the best of her a lot. Listen, everybody gets angry sometimes. It's just part of being human. And sometimes it can even be a good thing if it leads you, motivates you to do the right thing and the righteous thing. But, see, but when it characterizes you, when it, when it defines you, when it's your temperament, when it's just kind of what you walk around with, or as Ecclesiastes says, when it labels you, the label doesn't read man of God, woman of God. 
the label of anger reads fool. You can't have the character and nature of Jesus. You can't have the fruit of the Spirit and be full of anger. It's just they're, they're diametrically opposed. They, they're mutually exclusive. You can't do both at the same time. Listen, do you know why it's foolish to allow anger to control you? I want you to read this. Listen, if you don't listen to anything else in this message, I want you to listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, 27. I know we did a whole series. We did, what, six or seven messages on anger last year right at this time. So you can go back and listen to that, but, but this is really important. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Look at verse 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger opens the door for demonic activity in your life. It's a gateway. It gives the devil permission to run amok in your life. It gives him a foothold. Now, I was, I was preparing this message this week, and I, I read this scripture, and it was like a bolt of lightning that what, what the Lord showed me. Listen, you want to know why you tithe and give, but you don't see the windows of heaven opening up over you? You, you want to know why it is you don't see the Lord rebuking the devourer as His Word promises? It might just be that every time God rebukes the devil and runs him out of your life and your finances, you allow anger to control you again, and it invites the devourer right back into your life. God's pouring it in on one side. The devil is devouring it on the other side. And if you don't get a grip on the anger that controls your life, you'll go broke before you see the blessing of God in your finances. And all this time you've been blaming God for not being faithful to His Word when it might just be you're doing it to yourself. How foolish can we be as believers? Why do we keep giving the enemy a foothold when Jesus defeated the enemy on the cross? He was defeated and disarmed, Colossians says. He, he has no weapons. He has no way to force Himself into our lives. If we don't give Him permission, He can't come in. And, and he was defeated and disarmed, but when we allow anger to be a temperament for us, we open the door wide open for Him to come in. And let me tell you something from experience and from the words of Jesus in the Gospel, He never comes in alone. We saw this last week with foolish tongues. James 3.16, I want to read it to you again. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, that's strife, there you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. Selfish ambition or strife opens the door for every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. And when does strife start most frequently? When you're angry. When you're angry. We've got to stop allowing anger to control us. It isn't just affecting our finances. It's our marriages. It's our friendships. It's our businesses. It's our ministries, our churches, our nation. Anger gives the devil a foothold in everything we bring anger into. 
So we've got to stop. Let's look just a few verses down from where we just read. Ephesians 4, and and we read through verse 27. Look at, at, at 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness. Look at these. Look at these words that lead to anger. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. All of those things happen when you're angry. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's the solution right there. We're going to circle back to it in just a second. But look at what he says. Just a few verses later in chapter 5, this, this is where he gets to as part of the same conversation. Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Look, don't live like fools but like those who are wise. New Testament connection of anger being foolish. We've got to be careful how we live. And if we aren't, we're being foolish. So what does he say? Be kind to one another. Don't speak or act in anger. Speak and act out of kindness. Don't be so hard-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Listen, guys. If you're man enough to correct and rebuke and discipline, you better be man enough to love and encourage and support. The Bible says there in Ephesians, don't hold grudges. Don't let your anger simmer into hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. Yes, they they did you wrong, but you did Jesus wrong, and He forgave you. You say, well, that's fine. Okay, fine. I'll forgive them when they say I'm sorry. Jesus forgave you before you asked for it. Listen, when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He wasn't just talking about the Roman soldiers who were driving the nails in his hands. He was talking about you and me. We can't repay every offense with anger. If we do, we'll be exhausted. And it'll keep us too busy to work in the kingdom. Don't be foolish. Get the anger out of your life. Now listen, like most men, I have allowed myself to be controlled by anger at, at points in my life. I want to ask you, maybe that's you too. Let me ask you a question I saw on a t-shirt the other day. Why are you mad, bro? You ever seen that? Why are you mad, bro? I've been asking myself that question. Why are you mad? It's an important question to ask. Because anger is a secondary emotion. It's not the real problem. Anger is always a symptom of the problem. So you don't have an anger problem. You, gotta, you have something else going on. So let me recommend to you the course of action that I've taken. Look yourself in the mirror and say, Why are you mad, bro? Sister? Is it pride? A whole lot of anger is pride. What I'm doing is more, more important than what you're doing. What I think is more important than what you think. What I believe is more important than what you believe. Is it insecurity? Is it fear? We cover up a whole lot of fear, especially us guys. We cover up a whole lot of fear with anger. It, 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 what's, what is it you're really feeling? And why are you using anger to cover it up? It's important to find the root Because until you do, the devil is going to continue to come through the gate that we're opening up with our anger. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting played for the fool by the devil. 
I'm closing the gate. I'm finding the source. And I'm getting it out. And I want to invite you to do the same. Listen, keep asking yourselves questions. Keep asking yourself honest, penetrating questions until you get an honest answer out of yourself. And if you've got somebody that you trust, a spouse, a friend, what if you've got somebody you trust to speak spiritually into your life, tell them to ask you questions until you get to an honest answer. Are you mad because somebody said something about you? Or are you really just insecure in that area and you're afraid they're right? Are you mad because the kids were playing around and broke the lamp? Or are you just irritated because they inconvenienced you? Because you, now you've got to stop and clean it up. Have to pause the game while you do that. You mad because an employee purchased something they weren't supposed to? Or are you really just afraid that your business is not financially sound and so you freaked out and went off on them? Get to the root of the anger. And don't let foolishness continue to open doors in your life. Listen, no believer should be characterized by something that's not in the character of God. No believer should be characterized by something that's not in the character of God. So get the rebellion out. Get the laziness out. Get the anger out. They're sins. They're sins. And they will damage your relationship with God. It's sin. We have to get the sin out. Say, John, why are you being so hardcore about this, man? Because until we see these things as sins against God, we won't change them. We're not going to change. If you oh, it's just a character flaw. Oh, it's just something i got to work on. No, it's sin. Rebellion, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's the same thing. Anger that controls and defines you is sin. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 said. Laziness is a violation of our created purpose. It's time to stop making excuses for this stuff and repent of it. Let me tell you this by, from experience. You will only repent when you get disgusted by the stench of your own sin. I fell on my face Thursday, disgusted with myself over something that I had allowed to control me in my life. And I said, I'm tired of it, and I'm disgusted by it, and I can't stand myself anymore. And I know that the stench of my sin and what I'm doing in my life is a stench in the nostrils of God and I'm not I'm not willing to call myself a child of God, not even a pastor, a child of God, I'm not willing to name myself by his name and allow that to continue to characterize me. So I got on my face and I said I'm not I don't want to do this anymore. Forgive me of this. Take this out. Get to the root. Show me whatever's going on. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Because I know you love God. And I know you want to please God. And I know you want to, I know you want to be blessed by God. But the blessing of God is always connected to obedience and repentance. 
Listen, there's a better way. There's a better way than what we've been living. God can replace anger with love. He can replace anger with love. He can replace laziness with a godly work ethic. He can replace, He can help you overcome rebellion and help you have the faith to submit to authority. <clears throat> but it starts with having a real conversation with God about the foolish and sinful things that we've allowed in our lives. Why don't you stand with me, please? <clears throat> going to open this altar as I always do. For any reason, if you have anything that you want to pray about, I would invite you to come and pray. I'm going to ask the members of the prayer team that are here to meet you here. I don't want anybody to have to come and pray alone unless you want to. If you want to, then you can just, somebody comes and prays with you, you can just say politely, I really just want to pray by myself. And that's perfectly fine. But I, I, I want you to know that when you come, somebody will join and pray in agreement with you. So you can pray about anything, whether it's this or whether it's, it's a relationship, whether it's a financial deal, whether it's a, a relationship deal, whatever, a healing, whatever it is you want to pray about, this altar is open and you won't pray by yourself. But I'm gonna, we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to let His Word, not my words, let His Word penetrate our hearts today. Father, in the name of We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.